You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. This is edition number two. We're talking about me, myself, and I living in three dimensions. And our text scripture is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. So let's go ahead and just jump right in. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of or at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, there's no more to you than that. Everything about you can be summed up in those three words, spirit, soul, and body. Now, you may have other parts that you're thinking of, but they all fall under the heading of one of those three, spirit, their soul, or body. That's who you are. The three-dimensional man that God created named Adam was created directly by God in the Garden of Eden. In the image of God, God, who is three persons, created a three-dimensional man, a man to operate in three worlds. He was created on the sixth day, and for that reason, man is known, or the number six is known as the number of a man, and he was created on the sixth day of creation week after all the animals had already been created. Now, it's not because he's lower than them, but it's because God wanted to make a statement, everything that you need is here. So he was not brought into the world until everything that he needed was here, with one exception, that is, he did not yet have his partner, uh, Eve. God brought him into a very complete world. Now, he created Adam before Eve in order to make a statement of authority. That is, Adam is to be the leader of the home. It doesn't mean he's less than Eve. You know, this is a crazy thing, and it really is. We have these nut ideas, and uh, I have people all the time that they feel like in order for us to do what we're supposed to do, we've all got to be together in some kind of a big union Well, really, that's not true because the Bible says we have a unity of the Spirit. So unity is not union. Union is not unity. And then uh, we have different gifts. Diversity is not division. Just because you have a different gift doesn't mean that that you are dividing. Now, now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that every kind of diversity is perfect. It isn't. Uh, but then finally, sameness is not equality. And we don't have to be the same to be equal. And then that's where a lot of people get into trouble. They think in order to be equal, we have to be the, exactly the same. And that's not so. And so whenever God creates these authority structures... It doesn't mean that he is calling one person to lord it over another. i I, got to tell you, here's what I found out as I became a father, husband, husband first, then father. I found out that I was the biggest servant in the family because I'm supposed to be the Christ in my home, and Christ is the greatest servant of all. And nobody served the Lord and served the world like Christ did. I mean, he is an amazing servant. In fact, it's what he taught. He that will be the greatest among you will be your servant. So really in God's kingdom, anybody who's in a place of authority is called to be a servant to everybody else. So if you're a king or president or any kind of a leader, CEO, doesn't matter. If you're in the kingdom of God, you are called to serve people with the way you lead. A pastor, it ought to be the biggest servant in the church. And that's how God calls us. He calls us to be servants. Now, 
Spirit, soul, and body are clearly seen in Adam's creation, Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So there you have spirit, soul, and body. You have his body formed out of the dust. You have the breath, which is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of God. God breathed the word breath and spirit, wind is the same word. So the Spirit of God went into Adam. He became a living soul. So you've got spirit, soul, and body right here in Genesis 2-7. Now, God connected Adam to three dimensions. He's connected to the physical material world. I, I marvel that many believers get so religious that they do not have time to, say, have a hobby. They don't hike. They don't fish. They don't do anything like that. And they have this idea that the only thing God cares about is spiritual. And that's not true. If God would have only cared about your spiritual life, God would have made you uniquely a spirit being with no other dimension. Now, why would you need any other dimension? If the only dimension you need is spiritual, God would have created you just to be a spirit. But he created a spirit, soul, and body so that we could interact in three dimensions. So the spirit world, we contact with our spirits. The soulish world is how we contact each other. We interact with each other primarily through the soul. It's your mind, your thinking, and your emotions. Now, I'm not saying you don't carry that into your spiritual walk, but we, we interact with each other primarily through the soulish parts. And then with our bodies, we get to enjoy the world. And God made the world for us to enjoy. It's, we don't get it first. We don't put it first. The world doesn't take precedence over our spiritual uh, natures, but there's certainly nothing wrong with enjoying this wonderful planet that God created for us. And think about what it's going to be when he lifts the curse off of it and we get to see it the way that uh, it was really meant to be. Now, when the spirit and the body were connected there in Genesis chapter 2, Adam became a living soul. Actually, what you have is a bridge, and the soul is the bridge between the spirit and the body. It is in between the two, and it's how we interact with the body through the spirit. And the spirit and the body uh, interacts to the spirit with the soul. The soul is somewhere there in the middle. And by the way, they are separate, totally separate. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 4, now the word of God is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So God's word divides the soul from the spirit. They're not the same. Uh, the, 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 it's almost imperceptible where one begins and the other ends. Uh, that's, that's what the scripture teaches. It's like the joints and the marrow of the bone. It's, it's difficult to see, yeah, but the, 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 the borderline, but it's there. And the same thing is true with spirit and soul. Now, God warned Adam once he created him about the consequences of disobedience. And he used a tree to do this. He put a very clear choice before Adam right in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And I'm reading Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. There he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God created all of these trees, but he put two trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were not uh, separated from each other. They were very, very near to each other. 
Then God did something else. He gave Adam dominion and authority over every single thing on planet earth. Look at it, Genesis 2.15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. In Genesis 1.20 uh, six, God said, let us make man in our image and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea. Now, now uh, the fowl of the air and over all the animals. Listen to what it says in the book of Psalms. Uh, in Psalms chapter 8, David wrote and said, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Listen to me. It's not just the animal creation. Listen to the book of Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 19. The whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own. For the creation was made subject to imperfection when that happened. It happened when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. Not for some deliberate fault of its own. It wasn't the creation that sinned. It was Adam. But because of him who made it so, he made creation go the road that it was taken down. Yet there was always hope. And there's hope every year in the springtime when the new leaves come out and the new grass grows and we see a reemergence of life. That's God's way of giving us hope for a renewed creation and it's going to happen and the hope that is in the end of the whole of created life will be rescued from the tyranny of change and decay into the freedom which belongs to the glory of the children of God in other words the earth isn't going to be fixed until the dead are resurrected and the people who know Christ receive their glorified bodies that is when God is going to fix the earth. And so the earth is tied to the redemption of the sons of God. Up to the present, we know the whole created universe groans in all its parts as if in the pangs of childbirth. Listen to what he said here. It is plain to anyone with eyes to see at the present time all created life groans in a sort of universal travail. And that's what we see with earthquakes and, and uh, storms and, and tragedies that happen through the planet because the planet can be very violent. And not only they of creation, but he, we who have the Spirit as a foretaste of the future, even we are groaning inwardly while we eagerly, eagerly await our full adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We grieve from time to time. So, you know, I, I, I remember going along and everything's great and worshiping God and I'm happy as can be, and all of a sudden a thud would come into my spirit. And I didn't know what it was, didn't know how to pray. It was my own spirit grieving over something that was not right in my sphere of authority. And the Holy Spirit was calling me to prayer to fix something. And thankfully, I eventually learned how to pray with the help of the Holy Spirit, not knowing exactly what I was praying for, but I was dealing with something that wasn't right. I was groaning. We still groan from time to time. Book of Romans chapter 8 talks about that. So we're not happy with everything that goes on in the world. Yes, we're full of joy, but there are times and seasons where we're grieved. 
The Bible says we're like righteous Lot who was vexed by what he saw around him in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so uh, it's understandable if you feel that from time to time. Yes, we're called to joy, and that is our common way of existence. But what I want you to see is from time to time we do have those burdens of prayer. And your whole life shouldn't be a burden. You ought to have victory after you pray. But there is a season when we're called to that. Now, the Bible says we wait for the redemption of our bodies. Now notice that it doesn't say we await the redemption of our spirits. Do you know why? Your spirit's already been redeemed. When Christ comes, He's not going to do a single thing to your spirit. What needed to be done to your spirit has already been done. We are complete in Him. Your spirit was completed in Him when you received Him. When God put His Spirit in your spirit, you were made complete in Him. So we are not awaiting the redemption of our spirits. We are awaiting the redemption of our bodies. Now the effect of sin was first felt on Adam and Eve in their spirits. God said, the day you eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat that fruit, Adam, you're going to die. Adam did die, but he didn't die physically. He died spiritually right then and there on the spot. His spirit died. And the first manifestation of a dead spirit is fear. And that's why when God came to talk to him, he was afraid of the Lord. And that is a common thing. You see it all the way through Scripture. You see, every time an angel came to see somebody, even with good news, the first thought of the people was, oh no, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Uh, the father of Samson thought he was going to die because an angel came and told him and his wife that they were going to have a baby who would use to deliver, uh, be used to deliver the children of Israel. Uh, Gideon thought he was in trouble because he saw an angel. Even Mary, who had great favor with God, she was chosen of all the young virgins on earth to be the mother of our Lord. The angel had to tell her, fear not, Mary, you've found favor with God. And so our first reaction is because of this common knowledge that we all have of a lost relationship with God, and it is that we have fear. And God doesn't want us to be afraid of Him. God has called us to a place where we need not fear His presence. Oh, man, what a relationship. Now, the effects of sin were felt on Adam, first of all, in his spirit, but then it jumped to another place. And all of a sudden, the effects of sin were felt on the created world. And thorns and thistles came forward. The animal creation began to revolt. Uh, we see all of this stuff happening. You know, Adam's sin was not ordinary disobedience. It was a total change of loyalty and lordship. It was an act of treason, high treason. Because he not only rejected God, he chose the lordship of God's enemy. He chose to bow to the serpent. That's what he did. And you know, there's never only one choice. Years ago, one of the greatest things I learned as a parent, don't ever create a vacuum with your kids. And I've probably taught this before in another series, and if I have, you forgive me, but it's something that needs to be repeated. When I told my kids, no, you can't do this, I always replaced it with a positive, something that they could do. And that's a, a good parenting idea. Why did I do that? It's because God did that. God didn't just say to Adam, don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But right there next to it, 
was the tree of life. What happened if you ate the tree of life? You live forever. Do you know that the temptation with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was only supposed to be a one-time temptation? He was supposed to go eat the fruit of the tree of life. Had he eaten that, he would never have wanted. He couldn't have suffered under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he chose the wrong tree. He rejected God. And so it's always that way. You know, uh, the, 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 the people, the leaders of Israel and Pontius Pilate, they didn't just reject Jesus. They chose Barabbas, who was a murderer. You see this all down through Scripture. When the children of Israel came into the land, Joshua had the priests stand on two mountains, Mount Gerizim. They read the blessings. Mount Ebal, they read the curses of what happened if they broke the laws of God. We have a choice. It's not just don't go to hell, it's, but choose heaven instead. It's not just don't give in to death, but to choose life. The Bible says choose life. So we have choices. It's one thing over another. It's never just don't do this. Wow. So what I want you to see is that God has given us this amazing power of choice. And when you made that choice to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, life came into your spirit. You are now in the family of God, and you're there. Oh, man, we are born again. We're going to find out more about this. That's all the time I've got today. Be sure to like us on face on YouTube here and share this with somebody. Please do. And let, it, let somebody else know about this. And then go to my website, myfaithroots.com, and be sure to subscribe to the free email we give out every day. Well, it's all the time I've got, but we'll pick up right here tomorrow. Thank you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.